Well, it's great to, to have you all here today. And as you may know, uh, some of you all are just jumping in, but some of you all may know that we have been doing a, an 11-week series on the Great Commission. 11 weeks. And now I see some App State students up there, and that's about as long as a semester, right? You know, 11 weeks, think about that. You've, you've gone through geography and geometry and world history and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, you dig down deep into a subject matter as you, as you are in a semester. And so, since we've been in this subject matter for 11 weeks, and it's kind of like a semester, what do you do at the end of a semester? Party. That's right. I, I like Patty's answer. Yeah, we, we party, right? So let's get the horns out. No, no. What, we, what you normally do at the end of the semester is you have a quiz. Yeah, we're, we're, we're having a quiz. So we're going to take a quiz right now on the Great Commission to see if you've been paying attention. Okay, and you'll see the quiz here on the screen. We didn't hand this out for you all to turn in and get graded. This is a communal effort. Okay, so... Sam, Jesus met the disciples at a lake, at a synagogue, at a restaurant, or at a mountaintop. Where did he meet them? Anyway, a, a lake. Okay, we've got a lake. Restaurant. Which restaurant? Was it the Italian restaurant? You know, you know, Jesus liked Italian. Okay. No, it was at a mountaintop. Okay. All right. If you said a lake, I'm sorry. All right. When the disciples saw Jesus, they ran away in fear, asked Jesus to make dinner, told him, now go whip the Romans. They worshipped him. What, what did they do? Worshipped him? Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, can't you bring dinner with you? All right, all right. Since they saw Jesus after the resurrection, they had their faith perfected. They fell even in more in love with him. They held a contest to see who could jump for joy. The highest, some of them doubted. Some doubted. I mean, they see the resurrected Jesus, and they doubted. And remember, that gives us permission to have some doubts and questions as we go forth. Okay, all right, what else have we got up here? Jesus said to them, I've come all this way and none of you brought dinner, you know? This is getting about lunchtime. Some folks might be thinking about food right now. Okay, I've got things covered spiritually. I've got power over death. All authority over heaven and earth are mine. Which is it? All authority, yeah. App State students, wouldn't you love it if your professors did the last answer is the correct answer every time? Okay, anyways, you kind of getting this? All right. All right. Jesus commissioned the disciples to cast out demons, heal the sick, preach awesome sermons like they have at Boone UMC, or baptize and teach. Baptize and teach, yeah, okay, very good. Jesus' teachings of Matthew's gospel can be summarized. All you need is love. That sounds like a song. All you need is belief. Your faith will make you whole. You show your faith by living it. What is it? Show your faith by living it. Yeah, remember we spent three weeks in Matthew uh, chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this notion of doing what the Father commanded you. All right. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit means God is community, God Christianity is a communal faith. I am because we are all of the above. All of the above. Okay, you all are pretty quick here. Yeah, that, that, all of the above. All right, let's see. Jesus gives this incredible promise. I am with you only when you're at church, when you're praying, when you're feeding the preacher, <laughs> or all the time. All the time, always all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though he might be with you when you feed the preacher too. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That, y'all did pretty well. 
you did pretty well on that. Okay. So we're going to talk just in just a minute after we read the text of this head knowledge and this actual doing knowledge, the stuff that uh, Jesus has been preaching about and teaching about. So guess where we're going to read for one last time? The Great Commission from Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, starting with verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we can have this head knowledge, right? We can know all sorts of things, but does it do us any good unless we live it out? I mean, it's one thing to be able to pass the test or the quiz, but do these things apply to our lives? Think, think about it this way. Think about it this way. You can ace the written port of the, the DOT exam to get your driver's license, but you can sure flunk the driving test, right? Yeah, you, you sure, can, sure can't do well on that. I, I have a cousin that, yeah, she did pretty well on the written exam, but when it came time for the driving test, she got all nervous about it. And as she's driving along, the driver uh, teacher, the driver instructor there, the one giving the test said, all right, take a right. And she turned right, right then and there. Didn't get to the street. She hopped the curb, went down into, uh, down the embankment. She obviously had flunked the, the driving test. Okay, it, there, there's some of us that, you know, as we are here, we know all this stuff. We've been talking about it for 11 weeks, but are we actually doing it? We can get the written exam down, but do we pass the living exam? And because we are talking today about going out into all the world uh, to make disciples, this command to go. And the reason why we can go and the authority in which we can, can go out and make disciples is given to us by Jesus. We talked a little bit about this when we talked about all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. And how come Jesus has that authority? What gives Jesus the authority of everything, heaven and earth, and the authority to send us out? You might remember when we started this series, back when Vern and I did the Vernon Ed show there at the combined service. I was on stage, and I brought out my Air Force commission, and that commission gave me an authority to go and serve in the name of the President of the United States. That was the authority under whom I lived, though I had people there at my chain of command. And I was given authority, but I had people over me in authority. And so the commission that we receive, remember, as we said, a commission is getting authority for someone greater in authority. And the reason why Jesus has this authority is this. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 2. He says this. He said, Jesus did not account his co-equalship with God as something that he would hold on to, but he gladly listened to the supreme commander, to God Almighty, to God the Father, emptied himself taking on human form and even becoming obedient to suffer the worst form of capital punishment that has ever been known, death on a cross. And because of that, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord 
All authority on heaven and earth is given because this Jesus is the one who emptied himself. He has this authority because of self-sacrificial love. And if we are to have the same authority as Jesus, then that is the way we go out into the world. Not with power, not with might, not with trying to convince people with our great knowledge and our wisdom. No, we go out humbly, sacrificially, lovingly like Jesus, realizing that as we give of ourselves, if we sacrifice ourselves, that nothing can be taken from us because we're willing to give it all as Jesus did. That's from where our authority comes, from the one who died on a cross. And when we claim that authority, then we have the ability and the power of love to go out and change lives. David Hartzell uh, was a peace activist that worked and lived in the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s. And he, he tells about when he was at a lunch counter in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, there as they're trying to desegregate the lunch counters at all the different restaurants and stores throughout the South. And as he was sitting there at this counter, uh, he was praying the words of Jesus, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. He had those thoughts in mind. And when an angry man came into the, into the store and he yelled at him and he said, unless you leave this, this counter in two seconds, I'm going to stab you in the heart. And David Hartzell said, I looked at the man straight into his eyes and I said this to him, go ahead and do what you think is right, but I'm going to try to love you as best I can anyway. And then Hartzell writes, it's amazing what happened. That man's jaw, which had been tightened, loosened. His grip on his knife uh, seemed to slacken. And he turned and he left the store. Because, as Hartzell said, the power of sacrificial agape love overcomes everything. Everything. So that is how we have our authority to go out, to be willing to humble ourselves as Jesus humbled himself, to be able to go and offer ourselves in love, even sometimes when it is hard, sometimes when the road is difficult, even when people may not be willing to listen. Because you see, that's the way of Jesus. So it's not by power and might, it's not by persuasion, that we gain authority. It's by love, sacrificial love. And that gives us the authority then of Jesus. This Jesus who was called a teacher but never went to university. He was called a healer but never went to medical school. He was called Lord and Master even though he never commanded one army or ruled over one nation. Why? Because he was willing to offer himself for all of us. And that authority that he has in sacrifice is our authority as well. Our willingness to do as he did. To take a towel and a basin and wash someone else's feet. To humble ourselves. That gives us the authority to go. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That's what the end of this, uh, this text is about. Go, go, and make disciples. John Stott, the, the great missionologist and pastor, says this, to not go is an act of disobedience. 
To not go is an act of disobedience. So y'all, we are being obedient to this one who gives us this commission. And we are being sent to sometimes the places that we'd rather not go. And then asked to be sent to. You know, uh, this is loosely tied to my own story of getting an Air Force commission. And, and when I was getting commissioned, we, we were, could be asked, you know, we would ask that, you know, this is where I'd like to be assigned and, 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 and I, this is the time I'd like to actually go on active duty. And since my wife was in graduate school, I, I asked for a deferment for a year so she could complete her studies. Uncle Sam sent me out first as, for my commissioning class to go on active duty. And I put down on my dream sheet, Florida, Myrtle Beach, <laughs> you know, places like that. I got sent to the deserts of Southern California, far, far away from where I had thought I would be sent. And while I was in the service, Uncle Sam decided to send me to Korea to live in a tent. Remember, I'm in the Air Force. We didn't si- Air Force people didn't sign up for tents. And Korea in the wintertime makes Boone seem like a tropical paradise. And I swore that I would never live in a cold climate again. <laughs> but here I am. Here I am. And we see that throughout the Gospels and throughout the New Testament, the book of Acts, where these disciples are sent to places because they were willing to go, places that they may not have ever dreamed that they would go. Look at Philip. I mean, Philip is one of the early servants there in the early church, and he is picked up by the power of Jesus' spirit to go out into the desert, and there he meets a fellow Ethiopian eunuch. And because of this man's physical condition, according to uh, the book of Deuteronomy in the 23rd chapter, he was banned from being a part of the fellowship of believers. He was banned. I mean, he he was obviously interested. He's reading the book of Isaiah as he was there riding around in a chariot. Can you imagine that? Right, trying to read a scroll as you're jumping around a chariot. But that's what he was doing. And Philip approaches him out in the middle of the desert and talks to him. And baptizes him. Because you see, Philip was willing to go to a place that he probably wouldn't want to go to be with a person that, well, you know, this guy is unclean. I don't want to be around him. And then there's Peter. Peter uh, went to the town of Joppa, met a woman who was a leader in the community named Dorcas, and he brought uh, her back to life. And, And then it's interesting, at the end of the chapter, it, it, you, a lot of us in our day and time won't pick this up, but he, it says he stayed in the home of a fellow named Simon, a tanner. No, we don't think anything about that. Yeah, he, he died leather goods for a living. That's no big deal. But you, you, you all got to understand, in the Jewish culture, that if you handled dead animals, you were permanently unclean. That meant you couldn't go to the temple, couldn't go to church. And yet, Peter was there staying with this one, and his household was someone who was always ritually unclean and could not worship. And even more notably, there's Peter in a, having a vision by the spirit of this Jesus that had sent him out to go to the house of a fellow named Cornelius. 
a Gentile. And Jews were not supposed to associate with Gentiles. He was a Roman, a Roman soldier, a Roman captain. And yet, because Peter went to the house of someone that he didn't want to go to that person's house. Well, all of us of Gentile descent are here today. And then there's old Barnabas, one of my favorite guys in all the Bible. And uh, he's there in the church of Antioch. And God tells him to go to Tarsus to find a fellow named Saul, otherwise known as Paul, who had been a persecutor of the church, someone who had been killing Christians. And Barnabas was to go and bring this guy into leadership in the life of the church. What a church team that would be, Paul and Barnabas as your pastors. But that's what they were. And then they they go out into all the known world to start proclaiming the gospel. Later on, as Paul and his travels, as they're praying about where to go, he wants to go to Bithynia. And then who wouldn't want to go there? I mean, it's on the coast. I mean, there's beaches there. There's a resort area in the Roman times. It had great fertile ground. It was there on the Black Sea. You could, you could lay out and Jesus and, and Paul could be there witnessing to the people on the beach. I mean, isn't that a dream appointment? But the Spirit of Christ said, no, I want you to go to Macedonia a place that was pretty impoverished at that time. The first place in Europe the gospel was proclaimed. And most people within the sound of my voice are of European descent. And aren't we glad that Paul went to Europe? You see, the Spirit of Christ will send us to places that we might not realize that we're to go, but he will take us there to meet people we may not have ever thought we'd meet before in our own Methodist heritage. John Wesley had that warm-hearted experience, and, and he was compelled to leave the consecrated pulpits within the church. In fact, that's what, he, as an Anglican priest, that's what he's taught, that you can only preach from a pulpit. Who would use that a superfluous saying, right? Yeah, but that's, that's what he was told. He could only preach behind a consecrated pulpit, but the Spirit of Christ and encouragement of, of George Whitfield sent him to the mining pits outside of Bristol to proclaim the love of Christ to these poor, destitute men who went down into the pits to mine coal. And because of that, this grace-filled movement of Methodism, emphasizing the grace and love of God, spread throughout the land, changed the course of Great Britain, and here we are today. In 1780, Methodist circuit riders were told to go to the hips and the hollers of western North Carolina, and a couple decades later, they show up here in Boone, and they found a Methodist church Boone Methodist Church. And we're here today because people followed the leading of Christ to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And Christ is still making that call, still compelling people like you and me to go. And now I know some of y'all are saying, that's kind of scary. I don't know what I'm to say or what I'm to do. Well, as you are commissioned, guess what? God will give you the resources. God will give you uh, whatever you need to be the person 
that you're called to be in that place and in that time. So go. Go. And make disciples. Today at the, at the conclusion of the service, we're going to commission you. We are. We're, we're going to commission you. And commission you, well, to go. And on the back of your commission, kind of like when I got orders when I was in the service, uh, there, there's some list of things that, well, back then there were things I had to do, but these are some things that you might want to consider doing. And these are just a few of the things that you can do to go. But let's look at a few of these. Choose one or two neighbors or coworkers who don't know Jesus and pray for them by name every day. It all begins in prayer. It all begins in us willing to pray for somebody who, who doesn't know Jesus, who, who isn't a part of the faith community, who's someone that, that it, it has, for some reason or another, maybe even rejected the faith. And we've got to ask ourselves, do we know anybody that's not a Christian? Well, if not, we need to ask God to expand our frame of reference and our frame of influence. Because, y'all, each and every one of us can pray for somebody to go with our prayers out into the heart of somebody so that somehow, some way, they might be compelled to hear the gospel message. Think about a woman named Estelle. She was in a nursing home in one of the communities in which I served. And Estelle, whenever someone would be admitted to that nursing home where she, uh, where she lived, she would immediately begin to pray for that person. And then she said, I would go down and wheel myself down there and go talk to them. And I'd see if uh, there's anything they needed prayer about. And then hear this, she would invite them to the monthly chapel service that I happen to lead every, every month there. In a nursing home, 90 years old, extending the Spirit of God through her prayers to people that were there new in their community. See what she did? She prayed, and then she invited. Because the second thing that's on here is pray about inviting somebody to church in the coming year. Asking God to lead you to find somebody uh, who isn't part of a faith community. I know since COVID, uh, a lot of people have stopped showing up in person for one reason or another. And yeah, it's good to invite them. But even better, find somebody that doesn't know Christ. I mean, praying about them and, and, and bring them here. Or someone that has been disconnected from the church for a long, long time. And you bring them to this warm and, and welcoming place. For y'all, y'all... It's still a fact that the most frequent way someone starts coming to church is someone that they know and trust invites them to find somebody. Get to know them and invite them, invite them to church and to be a part of the fellowship here. Get to know your neighbors. Take out somebody to lunch that you don't know. Uh, someone that's down the street from you or across the way from you. Get to know somebody that you wouldn't know before. And related to that is on, on the back of this card here, it talks about getting to relate to the people that you interact with on a regular basis at the coffee shops or restaurants around here. I tell you what, Boone has more coffee shops than some dogs have fleas. I mean, there are coffee shops all over the place. They are wonderful. And you probably go to one that uh, on a pretty frequent basis. Well, 
Start talking to the barista. Talk to the regular patrons that are there that are, there, that are being served there on, on a typical time. Get to know their names. Now, I know for some, this is easier than others. There's some people out there that they can sell sand at the beach. I mean, they're in there high-fiving, clapping, and talking to people. That, that's pretty easy. But there's a lot. I know that's a difficult thing. And that's why I pray for the Spirit to help you. And also hear this. Uh, there's a, a book out there called The Power of Strangers. And in the book, the author uh, makes this compelling argument after doing much research in places all over the world that folks that talk to strangers, that get to know the people that they're sitting with on the train or uh, uh, serving them at the restaurant or, or at the grocery store, says this, they're happier people. I grew up with the word stranger danger. Any of y'all remember that? Telling your kids, don't talk to strangers. Remember that? They've pulled that from the vocabulary in the police because they realize that more than likely that we're going to get hurt by somebody we know, not a stranger, not a stranger. It's amazing when we get to know people and get to interact in our lives that somehow, some way in that interaction, as we're praying about that, God will open up a door for you to share humble love, whatever that might be. I can't, I can't say, but God does. God knows how your interaction might change both y'all's lives. When I was in the service, um, you know, I, they didn't just ship me off as a young lieutenant. I had to go for more training. I, you know, they, they, they knew lieutenants were pretty dumb, you know, uh, and so they, 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 they needed, I had to go off and get, get some further training. So uh, when we are in the Christian journey, we, all, we need to get trained and get to uh, learn some more. And some of y'all might be a little uncomfortable doing some of this discipleship evangelism stuff. Well, Ken Conley and Vern Collins offer studies throughout the year on discipleship and evangelism. So consider signing up for, for one of them. And um, we have lots of wonderful outreach ministries. We, we had uh, several people from our church that were out on mission uh, work this past week. We had uh, Richard Butler and Dwight Simmons and David Turner. They're down in South Florida cleaning up after Hurricane Ian. We had Fred Fonville and Carolyn Thompson. They were down in Guatemala uh, building homes down in that impoverished nation. And we go out to do such things for several reasons. One, it, it makes us better disciples. It also, though, meets a very real human need. Those folks in South Florida are still hurt, and they're going to be hurting for a long time. So we go down there at the, uh, at the call of Christ to help those who are broken and hurting. But also, and this is so cool, that it opens up the hearts and minds of those people with whom we're working to receive the love of Christ. I love the picture that Dwight shared with me of him and Richard and David handing a Bible to the homeowner at whose house they were cleaning out. That homeowner was open to receive the word because these folks had humbly served cleaning out the muck and tearing out sheetrock and ripping up floors damaged by the storm. So that's why we serve. And so you may not go down to South Florida or Guatemala, but I mean, we have the firewood ministry and we have Thursday night dinners 
We have opportunities to go do wheelchair ramps. We have opportunities to uh, work with children. You may not chop wood, but I bet, as my wife has told me, anyone can wash dishes. And so, yeah, you, we can all serve because it gets us out into the lives of people that we, would, might, we might not ordinarily interact with. So find a way to serve. And related to that is that we hear all the time that our young people, glad these folks are here, but we hear all the time that young people, uh, well, they're giving up on the faith for one reason or another. Uh, they say, you know, I, I see some stuff in the Christian faith that I just don't believe in or the, or the way Christians act, and I don't want to be a part of that. But the best way to overcome that is be a witness to the young people by the way we love and deserve. So volunteer to coach at a rec center, basketball or soccer or something like that. Be a, a, a tutor uh, for some reading program. We have a mission field a block from us called Harden Park School. Maybe taking time to be a reading buddy to somebody over there or, or the uh, Western Res- uh, Youth Network. Work on some of those young people. Seeing the fact that Christians do care. We need to go with our finances. And yes, committing to the ministries of Boone United Methodist Church is part of that. But as you'll see on the card, we, we have a wonderful scholarship program uh, for children in Guatemala because many of you all over the years have gone down there and see the needs of children. And for $30 a month, you can sponsor a child's education. That is a way you can go. And, you know, we're still being blessed by the letters of the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, we read those uh, all the time. And you can go by writing a letter, be a pen pal with someone who's incarcerated, going through very, very difficult times. And then finally, be a part of the church's greeting and hospitality ministry. You don't have to go that far. Just out those doors. And be someone who has welcomed the stranger into our midst. Because when a person first sets foot in this place, before any note is played, any word is said, they have an impression of who we are or who you all are as Boone United Methodist Church. So be a greeter, volunteer to welcome those who've come to this place maybe for the very first time, maybe coming back to church after being away for so long because they had some hurt and brokenness caused by the church. Maybe someone exploring for the very first time being a follower of Jesus Christ. And to see beautiful smiling faces like the ones that were out there today sure helps ease them in to the fellowship. All of us can go and do something to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And you're going to be commissioned, if you so choose, to do that today. I I told you a little bit about my my commissioning. Uh, I was there, you know, had had been through three years of training uh, through 
of the Reserve Officer Training Corps. And Bob, I don't know about you, but I never marched a day in, when I was in the service. But I, golly, day we marched every Wednesday, hour on end, you know, eyes right. I mean, I never put, did that in there. But we marched a lot and we learned some stuff. And then, and then they sent us off to, to training school. I went to Plattsburgh Air Force Base in upstate New York. Beautiful area in the summertime. I was glad I was there in the summer. But we did a water survival in Lake Champlain. Remember, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. And so they, they dumped me in the water and out there floating around trying to bob and stay, stay uh, from drowning, you know. Uh, we went through wilderness survival. We did all that stuff. And so finally, get to the point. After graduation, to get commissioned, I took off my academic robe, put on my dress blues. I went down front, and there raised my hand. My dad, who's a retired Air Force chaplain, administered the oath of allegiance to the United States of America. And then the sign of my authority, my mom on one side, my wife at that time, fiance, pinned my bars on, and I was commissioned to go and to serve in the name of the President of the United States. Well, today, you are going to be called forward to receive a commission to go and to serve in the name of the one who has all authority, Jesus Christ. You're going to be asked to go be a disciple. Who makes a disciple? Go where Jesus sends you. And so if you're so willing and so brave, you're invited to come forward as we sing our concluding hymn to receive this word to go out and live the love of Jesus, making disciples in his name. Amen, amen, and amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we hear the words of Jesus thundering down through the corridors of time. And as we hear his words, that we know that they are a commission to us as well. We pray that these who have been listening to the word proclaimed for all these weeks will now receive the summons that you bring to each and every one of us to be commissioned to go and make disciples. May we live in such a way that the love of Jesus is known through us. All this we ask in and through him. Amen.